<laughs> Those effing C words. Changing confidence, child. Two words that are so scary, they may as well be curse words. Let's talk about it. On this podcast, we'll share our stories about hardship and starting over, making professional pivots, ending relationships and friendships, and having the confidence to navigate change. These are real stories and real people from my one-on-one coaching sessions and interviews that will keep us inspired or remind us that things could be worse. So what you hear are the truths, traumas, and testimonies that push us to become the solution instead of just waiting for one. I'm Marcia Cork, the Change Coach, and this is Ooh, Those FNC Words. Happy Friday, MCs. I'm Marcia Cork. Welcome back to another episode of Ooh, Those FNC Words. Today, I am joined by my friend, Natisha Willis. Natisha is a DEI practitioner and a life and wellness coach. She and I met back um, earlier this year. We were chosen by Brown Ambition podcast host Mandy Woodruff Santos for her inaugural career coaching cohort. It's called the Mandy Moneymakers. So Natisha and I have been getting acquainted for the past several months. We've been meeting and chatting since earlier in the year, and I'm always so intrigued by her stories and her background. And one of those things In 2018, Natisha made a move that most of us only fantasize about. She left the U.S. and moved to Mexico for a simpler, more gratifying life in Playa del Carmen. So today she joins me to talk about living and working as an expat and how it's improved her quality of life across the board. So we're talking mental, emotional and financial wellness. She's going to share her story and we'll discuss some cultural differences in things like work styles and priorities as we both observe them in the DEI space. And later, we'll hear commentary from two additional guests, my cousin, Ashley Cottrell, and my friend, Ioka Blanford, who both made similar moves to Puerto Rico and to Costa Rica, respectively. And I'll have them all share some tips for anyone who's considering making that kind of move, that kind of change, instead of just dreaming about it. So here we go, Natisha. (laughs) Let's finally get this conversation on the record. How are you, lady? I'm doing amazing. How are you? I am amazing, too. I love (laughs) those glasses. Thank you. I get so many compliments. Who knew? These throwbacks to the 80s would get so many compliments. I love these glasses. Just one of the things you picked up along your travel? I think so. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I ordered them. I saw an Instagram ad. Okay, okay. <laughs> I ordered them one time when I was, I knew I was going back to Chicago. So I ordered them, but made sure they were waiting for me. Got and it. then I went back and got a subscription, a, a prescription, a pair with prescription. I was going to say not a subscription to glasses. You got glasses <laughs> coming every month. <laughs> no. <laughs> prescription. Wrong <Okay>. scription. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, listen, I want you to just go ahead and set the scene. Um, maybe with setting the scene with 2018 and because okay. that's when you made the move. Right. So what was that moment? What was the incident that made you decide, okay, I'm getting out of here. I'm moving to Mexico. Okay. Well, to be fair, right, this journey did not start in 2018. It actually started in 2008, the very first time I ever went abroad. 
And the very first time I ever went abroad um, was in the dead of winter. I'm originally from Chicago. And so uh, <laughs> winters in Chicago, you know, it's so cold. It hurts outside. Yes, that's um, what I hear. That's why I haven't yeah. stepped up there yet. <laughs> um, and so I went to Nigeria with my college roommate for her wedding. And when I got there, you know, they had drivers. This is my first time out the country. They had drivers um, waiting for us. Um, everywhere we went, there was a driver to take us. She had a housekeeper. She had someone cooking and cleaning. And I just couldn't believe that somebody I knew who we were broke together in community college, mm -hmm. um, transferred to the same four year, you know, broke together again. You know, I got to put emphasis on that broke part. <laughs> had drivers where she was from. Um, yeah. And I mentioned that it was something. I've heard that before. I've heard that before, that it's a completely different lifestyle. Completely. We have a, uh, my husband and I have a friend who is a diplomat in Niger. Mm. And he lives like a king over there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, and, you know, I what I know now that I didn't know then is a lot of people come to the States, you know, earn dollars and then send money back home and build yeah. house, build, build homes and put all kinds of things into place for yeah. them um, and their family. So, you know, that experience being in the motherland and it's 85, 90 degrees, mm -hmm. you know, while folks are freezing on the other side of the world, you know, being weighted, not weighted on hand and foot, but definitely catered to. Okay. Uh, it was a much different, <laughs> it was a much different experience. Yeah. Um, and that moment made me feel like, oh, I'm supposed, oh, this, first of all, this life is available. Okay. Um, to somebody who looks like me. Right. Second, oh, this is absolutely. Everybody looks like me. Oh, everybody. You yeah. know, it never even. Yeah. I was just like, oh, this is the life I'm supposed to have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so from that moment forward, um, you know, every move I made and I made several <laughs> mm -hmm. was really in the direction toward, all right, how can I get to live abroad? Right. Okay. So 2008 and 2008, you know, social media was just getting its legs. We didn't have a lot of Facebook groups. I don't even think groups existed yet, but there weren't a lot of groups um, of people who were living abroad that um, I felt like I could align with. Right. Okay. So at that time, the only people I knew who lived and worked abroad, taught English, taught math um, or did Peace Corps. And I didn't want to do any mm -hmm. of those things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I just said, all right, I'm going to I'm going to find a way. I don't know what I don't know how is what is going to be or how it's going to come, but I'm going to find a way. And in the meantime, I'm going to go make sure I use this passport at least once a year. And so that's what I did from 2008, okay. um, 2013 or so. Uh, I got the wherewithal that I was going to move to Belize. And so that okay. was my attempt, my first attempt at moving abroad. This is 2013? Um, 2013. Okay. I lasted like two months before I ran out of money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did not, I was not able to secure employment in Belize, um, nor was I, I didn't necessarily understand how to build a brand or, you know, build a business. Like, you know, in my mind, the, the final straw was when I, I met a guy who told me, you know, he would pay me $25 an hour to do some consulting. And, you know, a month later, by the time the contracts were all written out, 
he basically wanted to offer me the equivalent of $5 an hour. And so in my mind, I'm like, I have a master's degree. I can, you know, at the very least, I can go back to the States and make $8 an hour working at McDonald's. So, so was that here or was that in Belize? That was Maybe in Belize. This person, oh, okay. So you moved to Belize just on savings, a wing and a prayer. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't exactly, you know, savings. I had sold my okay. car. And so that was the money I had. And in my okay. mind, you know, okay. I have a master's degree. I've gone to massage school. I have a, you know, I have a certified massage therapist. You know, mm -hmm. in my mind, I should be able to make something happen. You know, I'm from Chicago. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I went there on a wing and a prayer and, you know, a little bit of a plan-ish. Mm -hmm. You know, I had um, connected with the nonprofit there and I volunteered. We'd made an arrangement that they would provide room and board. Um, okay. And I would provide consulting. You know, when I got there, the deal changed. They didn't want to provide room board so much. You know, they so want to. So, what were you saying? So, so. Uh -oh. um, <laughs> <laughs> the ball. Right. So, I did stay there for a little while, right? Before I realized, oh, I'm going to run out of all my money if I'm spending money here. You know, because that wasn't part of the plan. Because they weren't covering room and board as exactly. they told you they exactly. would. Exactly. Okay. okay. Um, and so I also, so I had set up two things, right? So I had that opportunity and I had actually met someone when I was in Chicago um, who we were doing some off-grid stuff, like chopping wood or something, you know, mm -hmm. and um I met someone, I told her what I, you know, I'd heard in my spirit, I was supposed to study indigenous healing traditions. And I was going to Belize because I heard about the Mayan abdominal massage. Mm. Um, and I was going to study this and so on and so forth. And she said, oh, I'm from Belize. Like, what are the odds? Um, oh, and, and she called her brother and her brother told me, oh, just bring a swimming suit. You'll be fine. And so mm. when I got to Belize, so I had two you know, I had I had a backup plan. Okay. When I got there, her brother and his wife, his wife was um from Guatemala and they mm -hmm. had a gift shop. And so in Belize, well, you know, I think in most countries outside of the US, mm -hmm. you know, your business is usually also where you live. So there was a gift shop in the front of the house and we okay. slept in the back. And so I basically slept in the back of a gift shop for the rest of the time. Wow. That I was there. But you know, things happen, you know, um, I, of course I started at the nonprofit when I found that was kind of falling apart. I called the brother, um, okay. and then someone who I had met years before just happened to be in Belize. Um, and she connected me, she was like South of the country. So, you know, mm -hmm. Belize back then used retired school buses, like yellow school buses. So I rode the school bus. I was all throughout the country. Um, so I stayed south, which is called uh, PG, Punta Gorda. And so I lived in Punta Gorda for a little while as well. So, yeah, and I traveled all a span of how long? Two months. Two Maybe months. three, but I don't think it was that many. Because <laughs> I definitely was looking at the cash like, all right, I got these hundred dollar bills. Like once this is very much lifetime movie backpacking. <laughs> It was. It was very exciting. <laughs> I can't I believe it. my life. But yeah, so I came, I ran out of money. You know, my, my limit was when I get my last $400, it's time to go because I know that I can get at least a one-way ticket back to the States. 
Okay. And so that's what happened. I made it down to $400. I called a girlfriend, you know, she bought my ticket. I had the money in hand when I got to her, you know, um, and that year, you know, I decided, I told myself that I would spend living out of my backpack while I studied these indigenous healing traditions. Okay. And so um, that's what I did. I studied herbalism. I studied yoga, meditation, mindfulness. Um, and at the end of that year, I was like, all right, I need a job because I want to figure out how I can go abroad and stay abroad. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm spending hours studying internet marketing, right? Because that's when I basically got turned on to life coaching. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm spending hours trying to understand how to piece this idea of an online business together. um, And it's not working. I need a job. I need to invest in a training or coach or somebody. And, you know, this little money I have make working, you know, 10 hours a week at Bed Bath & Beyond ain't cutting it. You know, <laughs> so, you know, I found another job in my career path field at the time, which was an academic advisor mm-hmm. um, at an acupuncture school. And my students were getting degrees in yoga and herbalism and mm-hmm. <laughs> the very things that I spent that year studying. And so from 20, I got that job in 2014. And so from 2014 to 2018, I invested in coaches and masterminds and really trying to get um, everything up uh, up and running. And so, mm-hmm. you know, um, like the coaches tell you, set your date, you know, but it's not magic. I set my date and I was not ready. By the time uh, my date came around, I was actually- Your date was what? September 30th, 2017. Okay. So you started uh, grinding, I'll say in 2014. Yeah preparing for this move back abroad somewhere by 2017. I didn't know where. Okay. But I just knew that I was, you know, I I needed to set the date so I could just close this chapter. Yeah. And um, the date came and went, I wasn't ready. You know, my business was not generating enough income where I felt comfortable. Okay. Because you want a work from anywhere type of situation. You want to be able to make money here in the States, but live comfortably abroad. Right. At that time, that's what, you know, these were the options, right? I, you teach English or math, you do Peace Corps, or you start a business. Gotcha. So that that was the new, I was like, okay, so I need an online business. I need something that I can do online. So okay. I can be location independent um, and I can be wherever I want to be. Okay. Yep. The date came and went. I was not ready. Um, so instead I focused on what I could change. You know, I'm like, all right, I may not be, the business may not be where I need it to be, but you know, let me start getting ready. Let me okay. get all this other stuff ready. So I hired a stylist. I started, you know, getting a capsule wardrobe together, throwing away most yeah, of my clothes, uh-huh. making sure okay. you know, all the clothing I owned could fit in a single suitcase. You know, I started preparing everything else. Yeah. And literally in like 90 days, I was laid off from my job. <laughs> and so I took that as, oh, snap, like you are free to roam the cabin, you know, uh, you're, okay. okay. You're able to do yeah. this now. And so, you know, February 2nd, 2018. And I, 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 something that week told me, I was like, I'm about to get laid off. Like I knew it in my spirit that I was about to be laid off. And, um, so it's a blessing in disguise. Oh, I knew it off. was coming. Okay. And so as soon as it happened, I was just like, 
it was like it was like the chains had just released me because mm. in my mind, I've been investing all this time and building a business at the same time while I'm working full time. Mm-hmm. You know, if the job is out of the way, I can focus on the business. Um, and at the very least, you know, I, you know, six months of unemployment, I know I can go somewhere. Mm. I'm already, I can okay. take a graduate course. I can get a student loan, like use the refund check. Like I know that I can stay abroad for at least 18 months based on, you know, the things that I have acquired, the knowledge. Okay, so So you're looking at that as you don't have any constraints anymore. Now you, okay, you don't have the job holding you back. Now you're going to have unemployment coming in. You think you'll be able to live off that unemployment. And now you have the time, the freedom and the flexibility to make that move. Okay, so this is 2018. 2018. And All so right. I've been in the travel community, the black mm-hmm. travel groups for years at that point. Um, okay. and I've heard about several different places, um, Bali, Thailand, and Mexico. Like those were the three on my list. Mm-hmm. And so Bali and Thailand were like great, but I started thinking about what else do I want besides to just be abroad, you know? And I started thinking about how does how will my being abroad impact pe- the people who know me, right? And so I started thinking about the fact that, all right, in order for me to like really live and pursue my destiny, I need this living abroad to play into, you know, what I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be doing with my life. Yeah. So I started thinking about the fact that, all right, so I know that I want to serve and work with Black women in America. If that's the case, then I need to live somewhere where they can get to. Um, I know that most black women in America who work a job full time are not going to spend, you know, two days to get over to East Asia, then two days for the the jet lag to wear off. You know, it's just not going to be enjoyable. So Mexico seems the best opportunity. In addition, you know, I'd taken Spanish in high school and in college, nowhere near fluent, but at least I was familiar with the language, you know, thought about how if I needed to get back to the States, I was relatively close. You know, like I, the the pros began to, you know, show up. Yeah. And that makes sense. Like, so the, a few of the places you mentioned, you said Thailand. Yep. Um, what was the other one? Belize? Bali. Bali. Bali, Bali. Okay. Because you've already done Belize. Yeah. You're probably not doing Belize again at that point. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I did it. I know okay. it. And I have, and and then Mexico, and that makes sense. Um, I have this list. I'll share it in a bit, but um, it's you know the top the top ten places that blacks typically move when they decide they want to move abroad. In Mexico, um, I I want to say that area you're in, Playa del Carmen, is number eleven on BlackNoir.com's ranking order. Okay. And like you were saying, it it makes sense in terms of proximity, the amount of time it takes to travel there, the affordability. Um, it's a popular destination for things like music festivals, for where it's located. You know, we're going to we're going to see people that look look like us. It's close in proximity to Cuba, close to the Caribbean islands, which will explain yeah, all that. <laughs> yeah. So so and that makes sense. So it's explaining the indigenous peoples and populations that will that will be there so that we as black Americans feel you know, can feel comfortable there. So that area, Playa del Carmen, Tulum, um, both along that Yucatan Peninsula, that area makes sense for a lot of people who decide to travel abroad or move yeah, abroad. It's, it's, it, was, it has definitely been the perfect place for okay. starting this journey. 
Um, All right. So I want, so tell me about, and this is probably a good point to bring the other um, guests in as well, because I want to hear about the logistics. You know, I think people who have already um, played around with the idea of moving, just have that kind of spirit. Like you said, this was in the works 10 years before you actually made the move. Um, I'll, I'm going to bring my cousin in shortly, but you know, for people like that, it's already in you. I don't think it takes much convincing. It just takes planning and getting the wheels in motion. So that's what I want to hear. The logistics, the things like telling your friends and family, the things like, like you said, selling off your furniture, (laughs) doing this before you even make the move like that, that part just, just is mind blowing. So let me, let me bring them in. Okay. Ashley Cottrell and Ioka Blanford are going to join us for the conversation. All right. Hello, Hello ladies. Hey, Hello. Thank you for joining me. So you guys have been listening into this conversation. So I want to I want to hear from all of you. Like what? <laughs> how does that happen? How do you make up your mind to make such a move and you know, start preparing the people in your lives that you're about to make this drastic change in your life. Start. I'll start with you, Ashley. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I get to get some insight into the process now. You know, by the time I heard about it, you were already selling things off and telling us telling the family <laughs> <laughs> that you were leaving. So, so share with us your process, everything that was going on in that mind of yours when you decided to make this move. So similarly, I think that um, I was just at a, I was at a stage, I would say it was, I was at a stage in my life. Um, I was 25 at the time. Quarter life crisis, I guess they say. Not quarter um, life crisis. <laughs> um, but um, had my degree, was working, and just didn't feel fulfilled. Mm. And um, considered moving and just didn't know where I wanted to move. And I had formerly lived in D.C. for my internship. It was yeah. way more expensive, up, you know, D.C. than it is in Virginia yeah. or Southern Virginia. And then um, had took a trip. I think I went on a cruise that year before with some friends. And uh, we went to the island on a cruise. I think it was Cayman Islands. And so just experienced that and was like, you know what? I think I want to live in an island type of area, you know, eventually. Okay. Then, um, you said the Cayman Islands? Cayman Islands. It was on okay. a cruise. Okay. And um, so the, the year that I finally decided to move that following year when I was 25, like I said, and um, I had all I had taken Spanish as a second language anyway, so I'd already been yeah. proficient in Spanish. Um, and um, decided to you know visit Puerto Rico on a whim, on vacation by myself, just to step outside of my comfort zone. Which is and- another thing that. <laughs> Most people don't do. <laughs> yeah, just um, Go ahead. Yeah. get away from the corporate America life. That was the stress I was going to get away from. Yeah. And um, fell in love with the island, fell in love with the culture, um, saw that there were Afro-Latinos in, in Puerto yeah. Rico. Oh, there's a, they actually don't all look like Jennifer Lopez. You know, yeah. and so, uh, was uh, just enjoyed that and so made the decision. It, it just felt like home. And so when I went back to Virginia, I was just like, you know, once my lease ends, I'm gonna just pack it up and move. And um, I did talk to a, bit, a few people that I had met along the way and um, saw on Instagram too, and, you know, message like, hey, I saw that you, you know, used to live here or moved here, and it just mm-hmm. was on that. And 
pretty much kind of they had the same mindset. They just wanted a different experience, a different lifestyle, um, get away from the hustle and bustle of the United States and everything. And that's where my mindset was. I just wanted to leave the quick, quick, fast, fast corporate America, money, money yeah. type mindset and just live somewhere where it's not all about that. And living in DC will change your mind for sure. That, <laughs> that's that's one thing. You know what? I'm what I'm hearing here before I even move on to our yoga, and I and I'll have you chime in on that as well. But it sounds like it helped. Social media helped because yes, you guys both have this longing, but up until then it didn't look like you had very many examples of people making that kind of move. But then all of a sudden. You've got social media, you've got these groups on Facebook, you've got these groups on Instagram, and now you're starting to see people actually make that move. What about what about for you, Ioka? What was the the driving force or you know the thing that told you this was possible? Wait a minute. Before um, you listen, do you guys hear all these birds chirping in the background? It's like the perfect. The perfect what soundtrack to this conversation? <laughs> they're, they're joining the conversation, right? <laughs> I think for me, um, it was quality of life for my family. That was the driving factor for me. And so, well, if, if you know my personality, it—I didn't have to see anybody do it. Okay, <laughs> I was going to do it anyway, and so. It was really quality of life. Um, I have two children. I was a single mom for a long time. My daughter is grown. Um, well, she graduated college and everything. She's okay. technically grown. And, um, and then I have a son. Um, he's 14 now. But when we first started planning, I guess he was about nine. And I knew um, I had done it in D.C. We were in D.C. I had, I had raised one in D.C. all the way. And I said, I'm not I don't want to do this again with him. I mean, he was already nine. Um, mm -hmm. But it was when I say quality of life, I mean a few things. It was we would get up at the crack of dawn. You know, I get him or them to school. Um, you know, I work all day, then I'm rushing to go pick him up. Mm -hmm. He's in aftercare and has been in aftercare for three hours. Yep. Sometimes I would pick her up or she would make her way home. And by the time we got home, I had to cook, um, you know, look over homework. We would maybe have a half an hour of yep. just connecting before it was bath and ready for bed. Yep. And I've so it was all the time on and on. And we really didn't have any time. And I was rushing all the time, all the time, all the time. And I wasn't seeing my children. Um, and then on top of that, you know, it was stressful at work for different reasons. Of, mm. You know, some of them I think you all will get into later. Mm -hmm. But and then on top of that, it was also safety issues. For my son, um, yeah. I he was getting older, and um, I just knew that whatever I had to do, I wasn't going to raise. I was a single mother. I wasn't going to raise my black son in D.C. It was yeah. just, and this was before George Floyd. This was, you know, this was um, just the environment of cities, you know, yeah. and and where we were 
with the violent culture and that sort of thing. And then even not, I don't want to dwell on the negative, but that was a big push. I just yeah. want to- And that's, that's definitely a part of a lot of people's decisions. You know, I know uh, some people that started making that move when Trump was in office. And now with racial tensions, the way that they are now, it's, you know, we're continuing to see people just make that decision, which is why I'm having this conversation. It's exactly why I decided to make it an episode for the podcast. So very timely. Right. And I, I just wanted peace. I wanted my son to, you know, grow up somewhere where he was just Diallo. That's it. Yeah. And he could focus on being whomever he was going to become yeah. and do it, you know, in the greenery and fresh air and just immersed in a, and an actual culture and history that that's what I wanted. And, and frankly, that's what I wanted for myself too. I was tired of the city. I wanted quiet. I, my significant other and I laughed because we both grew up in DC and I said, you know, I can remember there was a time when I was like, I couldn't imagine not living in the city. You yeah. know, people were moving out into, you know, Southern Maryland and that. And I'm like, what are they doing? And, you know, you <laughs> go through phases of life. And I just, you know, the the noise, the crowds, I just didn't didn't want it anymore. And yeah. I, I learned I lived on a busy street. I'm like, I just want quiet. So there were, you know, several reasons, but they all rolled up into quality, quality of life. Quality and of that's life. why okay. I really wanted to. um be part of this conversation because, you know, we're not rich, you know, we didn't have all this money, like to, to move. It was just a priority for us. Yeah. So we planned and made it happen. And all of you look happy, peaceful, <laughs> thriving. So what is life like now? And I like this, this group of women, you know, Ashley is a millennial. She can represent the millennials. Um, Natisha, black woman doing all the things. <laughs> on the other end of the millennials. I look, I'm on the older millennials. So even to, to hear the difference, you know, that that dichotomy between an active social life versus like you were doing, the acupuncture, the spiritual component, all of that. Ayoka, you moving with the family, you know, moving, your man came along, your, your son is there just to hear three different lifestyles, but all experiencing this similar bliss. You know, what is life like? What is community like in, in, in and, and did I mention that Ayoka's in Costa Rica and Ashley's in Puerto Rico? So Playa del Carmen, Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, what is life like for all of you? And what is your sense of community like? Do you have friends do you have groups of girlfriends do you you know do you still have drinks on friday what what's it like <laughs> well i never had drinks on friday as a matter of fact so before i came to mexico i lived in maryland i'm originally from chicago but i moved to maryland because i thought the winters were a little bit milder mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and i lived in a um howard county which is right between okay. dc and baltimore mm -hmm. and you know my friday nights I spent most evenings and weekends working on my business, you know, mm. so I would work during the day and I would be in the house, you know, I may go to an event, may, maybe, okay. but most of the time I was working, you know, I remember my acupuncturist or my 
was my no my acupuncturist not my therapist it was my mm -hmm. acupuncturist who said what do you do for fun I'm like what do you mean this is fun <laughs> right like that's what you know what I mean like I, yes. if I was running a I'm program my entire life from this massage <laughs> listen I I was I felt like you know I had my massage envy membership and I was yeah I was thinking about how I'm gonna be a millionaire in you know okay. five or six years like build a million dollar business and so coming to Mexico, number one, on employment, on unemployment, you know, that first six months, my life was very much so going to the pool most days, you know, mm -hmm. riding my bike, listening to podcasts, trying to mm -hmm. shift my mindset. Yeah. Um, and I started working out again. Um, but now, you know, I feel like I have a bit more balance. You know, I work full time. Um and I, let me be clear, I actually just got back to Playa del Carmen, right? Like I took eight months to come back to the States. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kept an apartment here, but I took eight months and went back to the States. Okay. Um, and I realized, oh, this is, yeah, I can't live like this, right? Like here, you know, I closed my laptop at five o'clock uh, mm -hmm. properly, five, mm -hmm. five thirty max, you know, and I go out and make sure the sun mm -hmm. sees me. You know, I ride my bike. I listen to music. Now there's a pool on the rooftop. So, you know, I take my swimming lessons or um, I definitely meet with girlfriends more here than I ever did in the States. Because in the States, okay. you know, you have to, especially trying to go into D.C., you got to worry about parking. You got to schedule ahead of time. Here yeah. it's like, all right, where are we meeting? Like, who's eating? Like, what are we eating for dinner? You know, somebody's contacting me, texting me, WhatsApping me. For dinner or breakfast plans or hey did you see this event you know I have a much more balanced life and is your sense of community now and any of you can answer this is it is it um black expats is it other black Americans who've moved to the country or is it a mix of um locals and expats it's Ashley, a you shaking your head I, I have a mix um okay. we we have been coming here, um, I guess, about four or five years before we moved. Okay. So and and so we had some Tico friends or okay. um, Costa Ricanas. Okay. And um, Ticos and Ticas. So um, we had some. That was mostly what we had. Um, now since we've moved, um, I. I plugged into this group called the tribe and the tribe is um, black people who have moved, not just from the United States, but throughout the diaspora and have moved yeah. to Costa Rica, specifically this side of Costa Rica. So there, I mean, there are a lot of us in that group. Now, some people still go back and forth to their mm -hmm. home country, but in that group, there are um, about 150 people. And wow. that's not including their spouses, their their um, children. Um, so between that and, you know, we talk about finding your tribe. Mm -hmm. um, my background was PR, but I've always at heart been a writer. And it's maybe a week after I got here, somebody posted something in the group about a black writers group. I was like, my people. Uh. And so we meet every week. And then, you know, I've become friends with some of them. So outside the meetings, you know, we, we chat or get together for brunch or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then when David got here, see, he went back 
he didn't come with us. That's my significant other. He didn't come with mm -hmm. us. He stayed back to close some things out. Then he came and went back. So now he's here for good. So we're just kind of finding our our um, way or our, our feeling our way and getting our groove now um, to be able to go out with friends and and okay. um go to different events because he and I, you know, we used to date night was sacred. You know, we used to regularly mm -hmm. do date night and we got out of that with the pandemic. So we trying to get that back here okay. and we love music and love to dance. So don't think cause we're not millennials that we won't be going out and, you know, oh, no. but at the same time, no, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Time, what is life like? Quiet. Yeah. Yeah. We love our quiet so we can go into town we purposely didn't buy anything in town. We can go into town when we want to have some drinks, hear some music, and mm -hmm. come back in the quiet. And we have a pool. I could listen. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the 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 cost of living. You know, yes, I wouldn't right. have been able to have that in DC. I mean, we have a four-bed, two-bath house with a pool on almost an acre of land. Wow. I, hello. So, so we can stay here and, and be good, you know, and just yeah. chill, turn on our music, make some little drinks or whatever, invite people over, or we can go out. But I think, you know, I, I like that. I think the ladies will all speak to this. It's like, you have more of a balance. You can choose. Sometimes you want to chill where you are or you can go out. But even if you're working, I'm not working full time, but, you know, it's easy to walk away from that. Mm -hmm. And you don't feel so pressed about getting away from work, you know, because your your baseline is is different now. Like, yeah. you're not like this. You're like, ah, yeah, OK. I can say I experienced <laughs> that um, in Hawaii. So, you know, it's, it's still a, a very, a lot of the comforts of home, but definitely a slower lifestyle. And I remember when uh, we went as a family, um, I guess I, this was last year. And I said, I just asked, I was like, what, is, what do people do here? What is, um, and they're like, you know, everybody, we, we own bars. We all, you know, it seems like there weren't, I didn't meet any people who led this very corporate life or, you know, we're still heavily involved in technology or things like that. It was just very zen. It was more or less beach life for most of them. So it's a Puerto Rico, man. Yeah. That's it's how it's Puerto Rico, um, to answer your first question, uh, there's a mixture. So I've met other ex okay. expats here because Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. So it has its own government, but they have a partnership with the U.S. government. So it's a different country, but still within the country. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so I met, met other expats here, uh, a lot of uh, African-American or um, of African descent expats too yeah. here. Okay. Uh, different reasons, military, work, marriage, um, excursions, things like that. Okay. And then also met the locals, the Puerto Rican, the Boricos, uh, met them um, and made friends that way too. So it's a nice blend. I have my uh, local friends and then expat friends um, that I um, kind of just kind of split time between, and then same. So I, I I don't know if it's it's a Caribbean life or if it's just 
license out of the states, but everyone's always doing something non-business. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, dancing, salsa, barata, sorry, bachata, all that. That's every weekend, probably at every bar on weekdays too. Bars are everywhere. It's a bar next to my apartment complex. <laughs> bars are everywhere. Coffee here too. So there's coffee shops everywhere as well. Uh, I've met, I've actually met a friend at coffee shop because we were both working remotely. So um, it's always something to do. And then of course, you know, tourism because it's a, an island. There's yeah. still plenty of touristic activities you can still participate in and meet tourists that way too. And so this is always something to do. And like you all were saying, it's easy to close the laptop and go live life, go to the beach. Yeah. Someone's going to call and text them right now. You're going to do something, you're going to go out, eat, something like that. And I'm usually saying no because I work for a U.S.-based company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And here really grasp, grasp that uh, I have, you have to kind of work or working overtime. That's not really a thing. That's, I've never heard anyone from me saying I have to work overtime for anything. Um, and so that's something to get used to. So it's, this is the life I tried to get away from. I found myself freelancing for corporate America still. So. <laughs> but I mean, in the life works. <laughs> you know, this is, yeah, living yeah. here. But still, been- being able to freelance, being able to you know work from anywhere, that was what made it possible for you to even make that move because right. Right. you moved there still being able to hold on to your U.S. job, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yes and no. So they let me... So they, they let me work for them remotely part-time. They were like, okay, we're going to let you do it, but part-time. And so that actually helped, that encouraged me to step out of my comfort zone and meet people and network. And I actually met people on the island that I was freelance for, too. Okay. And so okay. That, that was how I got written. Okay. Like, other half of the income coming in and, and then on from there. Okay. All right. So listen, I, I want to go through this list because you all have mentioned actually something that I hadn't even considered, which is while we're talking about expats, it's not just Black Americans relocating to where you are. It's Blacks from other countries as well. Mm-hmm. So it's really representative of the African diaspora because, I mean, it's a, it's a melting pot of culture now in all mm-hmm. of these places, it seems like. So I want to go through this list, the list that I mentioned earlier from BlackNoir.com, the top 10 places for for Black Americans to move abroad. So maybe some of these people are represented in the melting pot that is, you know, your friends and neighbors now. Um, But tell me what you think of this list. I don't know. I think that it's in ranking order. So I'll start. Number one, they have is Medellin, Colombia. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see, Columbia, they boast affordability and an active nightlife scene. So that seems to be the draw there. Mm-hmm. Number two, Lisbon, Portugal, Portugal. And they say that Portugal is rich in diversity and culture and has affordable health care. And you know what? That's the only country that mentions the, the health care. So I want to circle back to that. Let's make sure we talk about that in a bit. Don't let me forget. Yeah. Um, yeah. Number three, Belize, City Belize. Natisha, you mentioned Belize earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say they, they say there's lots of Black history and culture mm-hmm. there. It also has the highest population of people of African descent than any other Central American nation. And that kind of supports what I was saying earlier about the um, that Yucatan Peninsula, that it's already a very touristy area. It already draws a lot of Black Americans. And so, you know, we go where 
we go where we know or where, or where we see other people already. And so that's that's what this has given me that. Well, you know, that and, you know, the slave ships didn't just stop yeah. in the Caribbean and Brazil. You know, right. they dropped people off all up and through Central and South America. So right. I know and I know the Afro-Mexican population actually just started being counted on the, yep, the so yeah. I don't know if you know. I don't know. I don't know that about those numbers. That's an interesting, but that's okay. interesting. I do know the Garifuna population in Belize is pretty large. Okay. But yeah, there's Afro people in everywhere, um, e everywhere, Colombia, yeah. Honduras, like everywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, I I do want to I do want to say really quickly that mm -hmm. in all all African peoples. Um, were not enslaved. Correct. There are a yeah. lot of people that um, escaped, found a way to escape, and so mm -hmm. they were never um, and and were able to flee. I remember someone was telling me recently that a reason why a lot of um, people ended up in in Central America, African peoples, is because mm -hmm. they were able to. Um, if they were able to get away, they could. They knew how to hull out a um, trunk, and they mm -hmm. just and they got into you know they made a boat and they just the current just took them because mm -hmm. I mean it didn't have sails or anything and mm -hmm. so a lot of people ended up in this area. Yeah. There oh, is I just wanted to say that. Okay, <laughs> that is true. That is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that is a mis often a misconception. That yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. And actually, you look, it, with we're, we're we're going somewhere else in this conversation, so I'll rein it back in. But you know, there's a, a population of, of Black Filipinos that have they they have not been able to explain how they arrived and why they how they got there. And so stories like that, like what you just shared. Um, mm -hmm. maybe give us an insight into just, uh, you know, arriving and how they may have arrived. All right. So number four, Dakar, Senegal, mm -hmm. Senegal, mm -hmm. and that's drawing people because of the singer and music producer Akon is building this futuristic city there. He's, um, you know, creating a Wakanda of sorts. Uh, number five, Limon, Costa Rica. A third of the population there identifies as Afro-Costa Rican. And so there's lots of Afro-Caribbean culture. You said, Ayoka, that's about 30 minutes from you, Limon? Yeah, yes. Okay. And I would say that number is low. The third, a third of... It's of, even more? Yeah, that that's okay. low. Um, because, because it's not just in Limon, it's down this whole uh, Caribbean coast. There's a lot of um, Afro-Ticos or okay. um, Afro-Carabanos. So, um, and then there are some people who they just identify as Tico or Tica because mm -hmm. their, their families have been here for four generations, five generations. Mm -hmm. If you look at them, they, to, to our eyes, to our American eyes, they look black, but they're, they, if they did a census, <laughs> it would yeah. be they would check Costa Rican, you know right. what I mean? So because someone doesn't identify, um, that's a very 
American lens to look through. Yeah. Um, More of a national identity at, than racial identity. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not, um, they don't, the, they don't identify racially. Yeah. I guess that's the best way to say it. Yeah. Here is they're Costa Rican. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where did I leave off? Number six, Accra, Ghana. Mm -hmm. There are about 3,000 African Americans living in Accra right now, and I'm sure that number has changed. Um, lots of celebrities have been talking about relocating there. Dave Chappelle has mentioned recently. Stevie Wonder has mentioned recently. So there's this resurgence of people um, making their way back to to to, to Ghana, but that but then they mention Accra specifically. Number seven, Panama City, Panama, says that is most welcoming for Black travelers and very affordable. Bangkok, and Thailand. That's, that's also half an hour away. Oh, me. really? Okay. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. All right. Bangkok, Thailand, um, boasts safety for Black Americans. Barcelona, Spain is number nine says it has the lowest cost of living in Western mm -hmm. Europe um, and then combined with a very successful and thriving expat community. I don't really know what that means, um, a successful and thriving expat community, because that seems to be the case with, with, with all of these. <laughs> and then lastly, Montreal, Canada. And that's ranked as one of the most multicultural countries in the world, has a strong African and Caribbean culture and and with this, and this actually makes sense, has the lifestyle that most closely resembles what we're used to in the United States. So that's that's what draws them there. What do you guys think about that list? Yeah, I've met a few. Uh, I've met several people who came to Puerto Rico to travel from a few of those places. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, uh, Medellin actually went to Medellin two months ago and met uh, two black people who are from the states that lived that recently moved there. Um, and team. so uh, definitely have experienced that through uh, meeting other travelers. Yeah. Yes, this whole culture of global nomads. Y'all mm -hmm. just in and out from everywhere. <laughs> you know, the challenge with those types of lists that I found for myself yeah. is you don't really know just because the list tells you that there are expats there or there are Black people there, you don't know if they're your kind of Black people. Yeah. Um, until you get there, yeah. you know, right. like you don't know if you, right. you know, like, are there retirees? Are they um, digital nomads? Are they people who are just hustling, grinding, trying mm -hmm. to, you know, stay abroad, like backpackers, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so you, I'm so used to hearing black people are not a monolith. And so those types of lists, yeah. like if you try to make decisions based off of those lists, a lot of times you'll find yourself disappointed because it's either not exactly what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. You didn't know what you were looking for until you got there. Yeah. You know, like there's just so many, um, there's just so many things that are, you just don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, but I it mean, sounds like even, yeah. even if this is just the list that you work from to say, okay, let me, let me check out three of them with all of the, the groups that exist now on social media, you you are bound to find your tribe. Like we were talking about that um, that Blacks in Tulum group on Facebook. That's fourteen thousand members. Yeah, but all <laughs> those people find a little bit of something. That's that? what I'm saying. Like all those people are not in Tulum, right? All those right. people are into Tulum. 
So yes, you know, the resources are there, but I would say hold them lightly. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, don't try to right. commit to something based off of what you find online, because what's going to happen, you get to a place and you're going to bump into somebody and they're going to tell you about this other place that's not yeah. on the list. And you're going to be faced Absolutely. with this, right, this this opportunity, you know, like, do right. you go and check it out? Mm-hmm. Or do you try to hold fast to this? No, I got this list. I got to follow my list. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? And then just do research, like you're saying, do research for yourself for what you're based on what you're looking for. Because I agree, the list, like unless they put it in and maybe and maybe it is, I haven't seen the list, but unless they get more context to it, it's like what are the criteria that they were looking at to say this is a great list if you're thinking of if you're black and you're thinking about moving abroad. Um it may have something to do with you know I'm I'm pulling out some of the um, highlights, some of the comments that they mention in each description, mm-hmm. but it could it could be based on a number. Of things. It could be the, the the population, the amount, the percentage of people in these places, that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah. This is what I want to make sure I get from each of you, though, because now because you've done it. What do you recommend? What are some tips? You know, uh, uh, what what can you give people as as starters, as guidelines for navigating this type of move? You know, you've done it. You've got the best and the worst outcomes. What's that? Do your research. I mean, what is it? What is motivating you to look into moving abroad? Like, what is your motivation? What are you looking for? What things are you interested in or passionate about mm-hmm. make your list and then use your list to start doing the research against countries and see how they stack up on your list i mean um that's what i did and that's what i think in in our own ways we all did we decided we were looking for something else that mm-hmm. we didn't have where we were and so now we want to we want to go somewhere that has potential for some of the things on our list, or we know they have it. Because for me, I know one of the things that, and I'm sure would be um, very important for people looking at this, um, know about the, the like IT infrastructure, you know, know about the connectivity because, mm-hmm. you know, in Costa Rica, for instance, it varies depending on where you are, okay. you know, um, it's still so very, for, for a like they have kind of situation that's important. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They need to, you need to make sure, you know, some like my area doesn't have fiber optic yet. You know, they, they have Wi-Fi, So I have a connection, but I don't have as strong as maybe I will once. I mean, I will have one day. And, and those types of things. And you mentioned healthcare. I'll just say this real quick. Yes, Costa please. Rica has excellent healthcare, excellent healthcare, and they have national healthcare. And so, you know, I think a lot of you times, qualify already? I'm not going to get into politics, but mm-hmm. people, you I qualify think people for the healthcare already? This... Do you qualify yes, for the Yes, I mean, already? I can go, okay. yes, I can go. Um, I'm going to pay differently than um, once I have my residency. Mm-hmm. It'll be cheaper. But okay. right now, 
the healthcare, the healthcare quality is so high that I want to go and more and just as in, importantly, I can pay out of pocket. Like my son had to go to the dentist because he had something going on and he had to get teeth pulled. He got two teeth pulled and it was the equivalent of $80. Hmm. Hello? Yeah. (laughs) $80. That's that's about the cost of the cleaning. cleaning. (laughs) Right. I just get cleanings and that's with insurance a lot of times. I just get cleanings and my cleaning is, is, is like $25. $25. Oh, no. More, 75 to 80 like, with the x-ray and the fluoride right. treatment. <laughs> and that's just the copay. And, I, so. and I'm getting, yeah. and I'm getting, I'm getting an x-ray and fluoride treatment for my $25. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it can be figured out if yeah. you want to figure it out. And what's and the healthcare like for both of you in, in Playa del Carmen and in Puerto Rico? So for Puerto Rico, it is, um, it's because it's still U.S. territory, everything is U.S. dollars here and everything, but um, the, it's affordable for someone who's from the States because we're used to those prices. Yes. Um, but the, since the income here on the island is um, extremely low, almost basically poverty, that the healthcare here is expensive for people who are from here, okay. but mm-hmm. I talked for my healthcare insurance, it's one one thirty five a month, and that's pretty cheap, you know, for the yeah. state. But right. here, it's too expensive for many families. So yeah. we face the same situation, just based on their income. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know the healthcare is affordable here, but you know, to be completely honest, you heard me say I studied herbalism and acupuncture. So, like, that's how <laughs> I I heal everything with herbs, uh-huh. acupuncture, and massages. So I can't, you know, I don't have, I have a friend who wanted to go to an English speaking hospital. Um, And I do know that, you know, when you go to places where they speak English and they've served primarily tourists, Mm -hmm. then it's a lot more expensive Mm -hmm. than if you can speak Mm -hmm. Spanish or if you know someone who speaks Spanish, you can go with you. Um, to your question about the one thing that I would recommend, yeah, you know, lessons learned. Yeah, mm-hmm. the one thing that I think I feel like living in America, living in the U.S., it it there's this um, expectation for perfection that I think really damages our ability to um experience have 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 an amazing experience because we're expecting perfection and so i agree yes do some research but Mm -hmm. the biggest part of your research needs to be putting your body in the space and seeing if this is a place that you want to come back to yeah yeah. You know, that yeah. that I think after being here for four years, that's actually one of the reasons I started renting out my apartment for a week at a time, because I realized people were doing all this research online. But if you don't come and actually live yeah. the way that I live, right, Emotion. so I'll set up, you know, the food delivery that I use, the juice delivery, I have the massage therapist come to the house for you, like mm-hmm. the Spanish teacher I use, like, if you don't have, if you're not living the way that I live, yeah. 
when you come here, you're not actually having the experience you're going to have. Right. You're still getting a tourist experience. Exactly. Yeah. So as mm-hmm. much as possible, try to come to the place, visit the place, right? Try not to do the all or nothing thing, which I think is typically what we do. It's like, well, I'm going to throw cares to the wind and now I'm packing and moving. Yeah. No, come visit. Use yeah. some of those vacation days, especially, you know, if you can work remote, like come and visit and see what it feels like to be here and to yeah. actually live here. And I heard that that was consistent with each of you. Each mm-hmm. of you went made multiple trips there before. I didn't, but well, <laughs> <laughs> but that's your lesson learned, right? <laughs> but um, but to right. that, that's okay. so true. Um, just sorry, really quickly. That's so right. true mm-hmm. here in Puerto Rico too. People who have stayed the longest and actually were able to enjoy—I mean, wasn't to enjoy about the island, but to. Um, enjoy lifestyle outside of the states are those who embrace it because there are still yeah. people and i've met other people from the states here who can't can't stand living here because oh my gosh no one wants to speak in english I'm like well, it's not you know no one is uh, or it's disorganization and i wouldn't say disorganized but because we are so to the t in the states yeah outside of the states, Kind of a different orientation. What are they to the sea in the state? Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, <laughs> are you nailed, sir? How long you staying in line for DMV? How exactly. often you complain about how rules apply to some folk and don't apply to other folks? Come on, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, right. <laughs> right. This is a great conversation, and I definitely I want to be able to refer my students to this conversation too because. You know, I this is what I have them do. So you all are living it. I I I know all of this theoretically. I teach, you know, cross-cultural communication, intercultural communication. And the projects that I have my students do is to do country profiles. And so at the end of that semester, at the end of that class, they've they've gotten 25 to 40 different um, profiles of countries. And so I'm having each one of them study comportment <laughs> in the streets. You know, how, how do I conduct myself in education? I'm having them study it for education, for healthcare, for business, the different things, the different reasons they would travel there. Is there a particular etiquette? Is there a way to conduct business where we have to form relationships first before we get to the business? Are there different orientations to time? That's what made me think of this. Different orientations to time where you know, here in the States, we, we, we say that we have a, a, mon- a monochronic orientation to time. We expect things to happen one after the other at a specified time. If we go to the computer lab and it says it's open from nine to five, our expectation is that it's open from nine to five. But for, you know, for students going to study abroad, they could go to that lab several times and that lab's not open today. So those types of expectations, I have each of them immerse themselves in the country and then do a, you know, a cohesive presentation so that by the end of that class, everyone has been exposed to at least 25 to 40 countries. And it's all theoretical, but that's, that's what you have. It's better than getting off the plane, arriving and thinking you can take off your tank top and dance in the street and get arrested. You know, that, that, you know, those, those sorts of things. So this will be a great conversation then to, you know, to add to our conversation. So thank you for these perspectives. Mm-hmm. And before I let you go, so Ashley, did you also have a, another tip that you wanted to share? And then I want you all to, if you're willing, you know, 
put your LinkedIn profile, give us your LinkedIn profile or Instagram profile if people want to watch your lives, <laughs> see how you're living life in Puerto Rico and Costa Rica and Mexico. Yeah, I would say my, my last tip, well, my tip would be um, just to extend grace, extend grace, because um, you don't really realize that as, as Americans, we have so much privilege um, until we leave our our little our world <laughs> and go outside of that, and um, people um, just just never really experienced life like we did, and so there aren't as many, you know. I, and we kind of touched base on this, but some people who are arriving late to us—that's yeah, their normal time for them, or you know, people um, people here actually smile and say hello and want to hug you and. And they kiss on the cheek and stuff like that. And, you know, from the States, like, what are you touching? What are you, you know, and yeah. <laughs> I usually get offended and things like that. And um, just realizing that it, it's, you know, if you're going to, you're moving to a different country, it, it's different. Yeah. It's not, it, there might be some similarities and that's because of pop culture, because of television and social media, but yeah. there's still a lot of things to learn from them and um, to step outside of your comfort zone. And so you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up in the language <laughs> you're gonna mess up in you know just the cultural norms mm -hmm. um that verbal communication that yeah like in this mm -hmm. immigrants in the states who we most americans don't aren't too kind towards for doing that and so you will experience that outside of the states and then just understanding those different the different dynamics yeah thank you for that so any Instagram handles or LinkedIn profiles you, you're willing to share? Sure. Um, so I'm um, okay. mine, in the yeah. mine is Ash, at Ashley underscore underscore Amor, um, A-M-O-R. That's love in Spanish. So. Okay. And that's where did you say that was? Instagram. Sorry. Instagram. Okay. And on Instagram, I'm Coach Tish. Coach Tish? Coach Tish. Yeah. Okay. And Ioka? Um, I'm Joy in Home. LinkedIn, I don't post anything about really my day to day here or anything like that. Okay. But I will, but actually, I, after this conversation, I think I'm going to do a little tips, you know, top 10 tips or something if you're considering uh, relocating. Because okay. I think people need to know. Yeah. You know, put your Americanism in your pocket. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Two great thoughts to close on. So thank you ladies for joining the conversation and lending your commentary and experiences. So I'm going to set you back backstage and um, continue the conversation with Natisha. Sure. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. Natisha. So I want to make sure that we close out with the coaching component. Yes. I know this is getting into gear and I want to make sure you get to tell us about that. So Absolutely. let's pick up there. Okay. So as I mentioned, you know, I realized after being here for four years that I learned a lot about change. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about adapting to change. I learned a lot about myself um, and how I was able to grow both in my uh, leadership but also in my ability to what I call work well, right? And I noticed the stark difference in how I worked 
when I was here as opposed to how I worked back when I was in the States. Um, That I did not, I just didn't recognize it until I went back to the States and I just realized, oh, I don't like the way I work. I don't like the way I exist. I don't like the way I live. Yeah. Culture shock. Well, and it wasn't, you know, it's funny because when we think about culture shock, we're really thinking about the external. For mm-hmm. me, it was internal. You know, oh. I was in Tulsa, um, and I just noticed that I just lived and I existed in the world differently. Um, and so, you know, coming back when I came back, and my intention was not to move back. Um, I was actually thinking I wanted to go explore, you know, backpack around Mexico. Not really, mm-hmm. but I couldn't. <laughs> I was like something between backpacking and like living a place because I. You know, like I said, I came here sight unseen. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I decided I came and looked at a beautiful apartment where I am now. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I decided that I wanted to share this experience and all the resources I'd gathered and everything that I'd learned um, with other people who wanted to feel um, or experiment with what it felt like to live like an expat, you know, being in Playa del Carmen for all the reasons I mentioned, right? It's a tourist town. Um, so if you want to practice your Spanish, you can. Um, if you want to speak English, you can. It's, you know, all major um, cities have a flight to Cancun almost every day. And okay. Cancun is like a 45 minute ride away. Um, so you can get back to the States, you know, if you needed to. Um but there's like this, I think this is just the perfect place for experimenting with what it feels like to live abroad and just testing it out. And yeah. so I decided I would, you know, for one week at a time, like I would share my space and share all my resources and really support people in um, what I like to call, like I said, working well, leading well um, and being well, you know, and thriving as the, the best version of themselves. I love that. How do they take advantage of that? How do they connect with you and get that coordinated? Um, They can reach out to me. What I would, um, if you reach out to me on either Instagram or um, LinkedIn and just let me know that you're interested and I can get you all the information from there. Okay. Okay. And before we go, just, you know, I know that you're working in um, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I am. And how has this shaped? Because it, it's been more or less since you've been living in Mexico that you mm-hmm. started working in DEI. Yeah. So how did that shape or reshape the way that you work? You know, the interesting part, I've always been black. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> you know, but I didn't, it wasn't, I don't think I necessarily... I don't think I necessarily thought about it as part of my identity and what that meant. Mm-hmm. You know, I started working in DEI and, you know, as in a full-time role in 2020 at the end of, toward the end of 2020. Um, I joined our diversity committee in April of 2020. And what I realized, I think in even, you know, in earlier part of the year, working in DEI, like this was a different language right? Like I was learning terms like intersectionality that I really had glossed over before, Mm -hmm. you know, and things that I just hadn't thought of, you know? And so I think being in a different country, you know, when you start to see um, your own privilege, for Mm -hmm. example, you know, 
thinking about privilege. I never thought about privilege before being a a black woman in America. Um, But even as a black woman in America, there's still a measure of privilege that I held, right? I'm the, I've gone to college. I make more money than my parents have ever made. Mm -hmm. Even when I was living in the States. So, but I never considered that privilege, right? I never Mm -hmm. considered, because every time I went to go home and visit my family, I was still going back to the hood. But Mm -hmm. the fact that I was going back and I wasn't necessarily living there, you know, it, 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 it began to, um, I think really wake me up to things that I had ignored before. Um, because working in DEI, you work with all types of people and in particular working in corporate uh, DEI and working in tech DEI, right. You're talking to people, um, about their privilege and, being able to come from a space where I didn't recognize that I had privilege. And now I am very clear about most of the privilege Mm. that I hold. It gave me, I think a different perspective um, than, you know, some of my counterparts. Yeah. I wish that I had the practical experience, you know, what, what you all have actually living abroad instead of it being just theory based. So I know, you know, I've studied countries inside and out. I've studied managerial styles. I've studied communication styles. What I was talking about earlier, the preferences to, to um, orientation, I mean, um, time orientations and how that impacts the way that we do work. Deliverables, an expectation that, thing, uh, that something is to be delivered on a specific day and time versus this is done when people are happy. This is done when the team is cohesive and we all get along, you know, just, just, just different um, standards for what success looks like. And, but, but again, what I don't have is the practical, you know, how does, how does this really look as part of, part of the team? And so the way that I apply it, and I apply it as a DEI professional now, I never called myself a DEI professional until about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I did I did cross-cultural considerations and management. I did those types of workshop sessions for corporations. I did effective leadership, and it was rooted in, in, in culture and cross-cultural communication. I walked through the protected classes and what's inherent in cultural differences in those protected classes and and taught that to management to managers. It was always alongside their DEI efforts. You know, human resources is bringing me in to support this diversity initiative. But I didn't consider myself a, D, a, a diversity professional or a DEI professional. It was human resources. It was leadership training, it was professional development for managers, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's all really rooted in these cross-cultural considerations. So, you know, like I, I, I'm enjoying this conversation in a very different way. I'm certainly not packing up. I mean, I guess I can never say never, but I'm probably not packing up my family like y'all and moving to another country, but I'm going to enjoy these vacations. <laughs> and I do feel <laughs> more informed because of it, because I do do the work, because I, I prepare and I study, you know, culture and, um, communication styles and all those things. But, you know, it's just enlightening to hear to hear your perspective actually living in it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah. 
Thank you, know. you for being here. Thank you for sharing these experiences. So where can people find you? You've already mentioned um, um, being able to connect with you on, on LinkedIn and Instagram for renting out the space, but is there anything, any specific projects related to the coaching or any, you know, cohorts or or one-on-one coaching that you, that you want to. For sure. My website is fisherwillis.com. And um, I'm actually working on a guide. I've uh, interviewed about 15 to 20 people who live here in Playa del Carmen. Right. So from unemployed to entrepreneur to retired um, and really getting a feel for what they wish they'd known before they come here. And so um, I'm building that out now as we speak. And so if you go to NatishaWillis.com, you can actually find the link um, to get that guide and that'll be completely free. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to let you get back to that life, that (laughs) lush life. (laughs) I use lush differently because I'm talking about the greenery and the zen, you know, not not the beverages. <laughs> Although, you know, you don't mind indulging in that either. Of course. <laughs> Thank you so much for a great conversation. Thank you. And we will chat soon. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>